Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to today's program. I, I spoke really fast there. Welcome to today's program. This is Calvary Live originating from the studios here at Grace FM, an outreach ministry of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Hello to everyone listening on Freedom FM, Truth FM, Hope FM, Grace FM, our friends in Boise, Idaho, and other places around the country. We're grateful uh, that you have chosen to join us, wherever you, whatever you might be doing on the road, driving around, um, maybe making uh, dinner. Some of you are listening in a jail cell, or you know, maybe huddled up around a radio uh, in a, in a jail or a hospital. Uh, we're grateful to be able to connect with you and answer your questions, talk about what's on your heart and mind. Uh, the number to dial is three zero three six. 903-690-3000. Put that in your, uh, if you're in a safe place, put that in your cell phone. Even after the fact, after you call in, save it at Calvary Live. That way it'll be easier to call in next time. Or you can text us. Uh, we have a separate dedicated text line, 720-336-0897 for for example here's a text that came in at three o'clock today um, I want to share with you a praise thank you so much for praying for my friend Lorraine that's diagnosed with cancer <clears throat> in the ducts of the gallbladder she is recovering from surgery now and the doctor took all the cancer out but now she needs to go through chemotherapy as a precaution uh, to and once she regains her strength so father we want to Pray, we want to rejoice with this praise report and the success of the medical doctors in using them to remove the cancer from Lorraine's body. Now we pray for supernatural physical strength in her to be able to endure the chemotherapy. Uh, and I pray that you would give her the needed strength uh, and the needed tenacity, mental capacity, so that she might be um, stronger and healthier. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. Even if you are calling, I've got to pull up my call screen. Uh, I haven't done that yet, so I'll do that now. Uh, pull up the call screen, and we'll take your calls, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, and the text line, 720-336-0897. Since last weekend here at Calvary, we were in the Word of God, uh, growing in God's grace together, and we were studying the book of Acts. I am so, I just believe the Lord is leading us in a wonderful way, coming out of a couple difficult years, even though we're not out of the woods, right? It, I think there's going to be difficulties increasing until the coming of the Lord. Uh, why do I say that? Because the Bible says that. Um, the Bible says that things are going to get harder in the last days, in the latter days. 
um, in the more challenging times. Um, I, I think of the word, one of the words that's used to describe it in the New King James is perilous, right? So listen to what the Bible says. But know this, that in the last days, so you Bible students, uh, what are the, what are the um, last days? What are the last days? Technically, the last days began at Pentecost. That's what Peter said. The Holy Spirit inspired Peter to talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days. So here we are in the last days. And then some people would look at it and go, but the days, we're talking 2,000 years of days. But remember, the time frame from God is different than our time frame. Peter would also say that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years uh, like a day. Um, and so the the importance of understanding the the reality of time, um, you know, it's the it's the Lord sees it differently. Second um, Peter three eight, beloved, do not forget this one thing: with the Lord, a day is a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. So in chapter three verse one, perilous times will come, perilous times. Um, the last days, you're going to see it increase all the more. Perilous. Uh, the word is chalepas, uh, and it literally means violent or fierce. It was a it was word. It, it's the same word that was used to describe the demoniacs in Matthew chapter eight, the wild and difficult. The, it also means grievous and hard to bear, distressing, referring to the times, and that's what we see here in First Second Timothy three. Uh, and and so perilous times will come. You could read the rest of that in chapter three. But the the point that I'm making is that we need to be a prepared people uh, for the coming of the Lord. God is preparing us, a prepared people for a prepared place, right? Heaven and the eternities working through. And we want to take as many people as possible. So we just looked at, uh, I called the Bible study, God's strategy for reaching the world. God's strategy for reaching the world. It's simple, isn't it? Um, many of you, you know, you could, if I, if we were in a classroom, I said, raise your hand. You, you know, the answer, the, the, uh, the answer is, uh, for that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will, shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And we looked at that in depth. I encourage you to go to our website, calvaryco.church or our app, go to the app store and just put my name in there, Ed Taylor. Uh, and we just started the book of Acts. So this week, I'm going to teach you how to share the gospel. Uh, I'm going to take that. I've done it before in our church, but I'm going to do it again for a whole new group of people. I'm going to give you some tips biblically uh, how to share the gospel and lots of scripture, uh, lots of insight. It's going to be great. The Lord's going to use it. Uh, and so you can always tune in with us. If you get our app, turn on notifications. Absolutely turn on notifications, and I will... Uh, you get you get notifications every day. We get an encouragement. I put in little encouragements in there myself. Um, sometimes there's an update on a study or a blog. I saw one go out today about our blog, um, even an update on the show today. So uh, all kinds of stuff going on. 303-690-3000. Waiting for the phone lines uh, to light up. 303-690-3000. Got a text here about Pastor Al's program in the morning I will, uh, here on Grace FM, I will check with Kevin and see if he noticed anything with that program. Uh, so um, I'm going to send it to him 
and he'll check on it for us, okay? 303-690-3000. Okay, let's go right here to Aurora, Colorado. Madi is on the line. Madi, welcome to the program. Yes, hello, uh, Ed Taylor. Um, Pastor Ed Taylor. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> fine. So, um, well, I consider you also my pastor because I hear you all the time. I have your app, I mean, and I take all your advice, and I I, <laughs> I just really appreciate everything uh-huh. you do. You have been amazing, um, and just thank you so much. Um, You're welcome. So, my question to you is, I, ever since I gave my life to the Lord, uh, I did. I stopped, um, you know, participating with Halloween. Uh, okay. No costumes, giving out candy, or doing anything like that. I did grow up, however, uh, trick or treating. Um, okay. But sure. My, once I gave my life to the Lord, I didn't allow my children to do any of that. Uh, yes. Now my children are a little bit older, and they're doing trunk or treat at school. And okay. They, you know, they. they I, I feel like they. They would like to dress up as their favorite, you know, cartoon character. Yes. And um, maybe do trunk or treat, but would I be wrong in allowing them to? That's a great question because there's a couple of ways to answer this. First of all, the evil, wickedness, witchcraft, occult, death parts of Halloween, I don't believe is wise for anybody to participate in. Uh, I... I don't appreciate, personally, on a personal level, I don't appreciate death being made something less than it is. It's an enemy. Um, There's nothing funny about it. There's nothing funny about witchcraft and occult and all of the weirdness that Halloween uh, inspires and uh, makes makes it look like, you know, glorification. So there's a part of Halloween I never want to be a part of. But I can share, share with you this. So there's a couple ways to answer this. First of all, is your own personal convictions and conscience, because you don't ever want even to take my advice or anyone else's advice that would make you go against your conscience and your personal convictions. Because the Bible says, whatever, whichever, whatever is not of faith is sin. And so we, we don't want to, if, you, if you're unable to make any decisions about Halloween without faith, then don't do them. Um, and on a personal level, the second way I'd answer this is, you know, in the early days as a new believer, for me personally, I was 1 million percent against Halloween in every way, no alternatives, no nothing. I felt like it was just wickedness and evil and there was no redeeming quality in it. And so in those early days with my kids, um, especially my oldest, Eddie, he paid a big price. And so did Josh to some degree because he was born when we were new believers, um, I just felt like, man, I'm going to protect my kids from the world. I'm going to keep them clean and holy and pure. And I interpreted that um, of only doing Christian things. I interpreted it like only veggie tales and, you know, whatever that looked like at the time. And as I be- as I matured in my relationship with the Lord, I began to I began to to really understand what Jesus was praying when He said, "I don't pray that you take them out of the world." but that you keep them, you know, protect them. And so I, I started to mature in my walk with the Lord, and as also as a parent, I started to use things to disciple my kids, right? Because ultimately, I'm preparing my kids for heaven, and I'm preparing them for the future, uh, when they're going to leave my house, and they're going to have their own adult life, and, uh, and I, I need to teach them how to deal with the world, 
And the only way to teach them how to deal with the world is to little by little expose them to it. You know, of course, in the school system, that's happening with your kids already. Um, you know, there's some type of participation connected to Halloween, which gives us an opportunity as parents to use it to teach our kids a lesson, whatever that lesson might be. Um, so if I was doing parenting all over again, um, I would let my kids dress up and go door to door taking free candy. Um, I think it's a, a, but, but at the same time, um, and I think I did toward the latter years that my kids would have to remind me, but they could go to the doors and ask candy. They just couldn't say trick or treat. That was like the line I drew for them. You could say whatever you want, happy birthday, Merry Christmas, whatever, but, but don't say trick or treat and go get as much free candy as you want. Um, and, and, and then teach them about the witchcraft and teach them about the occult and teach them what the Bible has to say, teach them that this world glorifies things um, that God doesn't glorify. Like it's a, it's an opportunity. And then, then as a church, what did we start doing? We started creating an alternative, which a lot of people in our church got upset back then. I can't believe you're doing that. I can't believe our church is celebrating Halloween. And, and it took some time to teach them. We're not, we're not celebrating Halloween. We're an evangelistic church. So our opportunity, you know, there are thousands of kids out on the 31st of October. Why not give them a free, safe environment where the God, where they're going to get the gospel? And, and so as you approach your kids, I say all that to say, as you approach your kids, you're going to make those decisions ultimately of a discipleship nature. And you're going to be able to use things that like, like asking for candy at someone's door is not inherently sinful. Neither is putting on a costume. It is not inherently sinful, right? Because I bet you, you know, my my daughter had a my daughter. We bought our daughter um, princess things. My you know my kids would dress up at different things, whatever they're playing around, goofing off, had nothing to do with. Like, there's nothing sinful in that. And if we can teach our kids the truth about things, um, you know, we could we can participate in things because we're in the world. Um, like if you go to a if you go to see a Bronco game. Um, I remember taking my kids to a Bronco game, man. They're cussing and F-bombs and throwing beer and fighting each other. So watching the game is not sinful. But man, it was some crazy seats we were in. Um, and I just had to teach my kids this is the way the world is. Um, you know, you're going to hear the F-bomb. You're going to hear it here. You're going to hear it at school. You're going to hear it at King Supers. You're going to hear it on the news. So let me just explain to you uh, and use these as opportunities to disciple them and keep their eyes on the Lord as long as possible so that when they're making their own decisions, that they'll make decisions that honor God. Wow. Okay, great. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. One more thing, um, Pastor. Would it be possible that you pray for me? Um, see, yes. it's been a about two years since Kobe started, right before Kobe started, I had like uh, some some feeling um, that something big was going to occur, and then two months later, Kobe came down, um, okay. and I came down with extreme anxiety, extreme fear, and I had never experienced that before in my whole life, any of the both. Um, and hearing the hearing you every morning because I hear you every single morning on my way to work, um, and hearing you every single day on my way home, um, it was you were my therapy session. 
Um, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and um, God's word, you know, I just kept walking. Yes. I mean, I was limping, I was dragging myself, but I kept walking. And and um, God liberated me. Today, I can say I'm once again 100% anxiety, fear-free. Um, and um, I've died to myself and... Um, and uh and you know I, I live for god you know and um and every now and then just every now and then i still have those like little things that try to kind of creep in and, and i fight it with god's word you know i put it under god's feet again you know sure. um so just um just prayers so that you know i can continue to stay strong let's do that father i pray for Madi as she you know, overwhelmed with anxiety and different uh, feelings of, you know, even that, even that sense of something was going to happen and, and that stirring, whether that was a spiritual revelation or intuition or whatever it may be, Lord, I pray, I think of what your word says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make our request be made known to you, God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And I pray that over Madi's life, Lord, as she continues to draw strength from your word, developing her prayer life, you would honor that and even give her wisdom how to handle Halloween with her kids, what lines she's supposed to draw, how she's supposed, what, what is it that you want her to instruct her children, what is it that you want her to um, how, how is it that you want to give them the opportunity to grow in this area? And so just prepare this family for what's up ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Yeah, you know, it's a great question with, with Halloween because I know that even though you guys listening in, there's, there's going to be a wide variety of responses to absolutely don't want anything to do with it, to the other extreme. Yeah, I think it's all a fake thing anyway and we just do it for fun and and you know the Bible says that we're we're going to whatever we do we're to do in the name of the Lord and and we really do have to ask is what I'm about to do going to glorify God because there are neg- there are neutral things. Um there are things that, you know, living life it, it's 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 a neutral thing. Now Halloween of course is so rooted in evil and wickedness that I'm not saying Halloween's neutral, believe me. Um, however, giving out, taking free candy, like I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you a great example. I personally don't dress up for Halloween and I don't go door to door, but I was visiting my brother-in-law recently. Uh, and, and, uh, just a couple days ago, I was visiting my brother-in-law. I was at his house, his wife. Um, we were, we were there actually to encourage them, my wife and I to encourage them in a very difficult time as, my brother-in-law, I get my sister-in-law's wife, uh, or excuse me, my sister-in-law's mom passed away. And so Marie and I uh, went to support them and be with them and encourage them and uh, share with them the word. And I took a couple gifts with us. And uh, so we spent some time with them, just a quick trip. And then we had to come back for services. And uh, so I was at their house. We went to drop off a card and minister to them. And she's getting ready for Halloween. Uh, and she had two baskets set up with candy. Uh, and so I said, I'm just going to pretend this is Halloween. I took two pieces of candy from this one, but the other basket had the full size, right? I always tell our church, if you're going to stay home, hand out tracks to the kids 
And if you're going to give out candy, man, give out the full size, give out the big one. So you remind, you remain, you're, you're remembered on the block as the, as the house that gave out the good candy, because you, I'm telling you, you don't know how you're going to relate to the kids. That kid might then come and mow your lawn or, or shovel your snow. And you've got an opportunity and an inroads of a reputation that's good in the community. So I went from the little basket when I found out there were full size ones, and then I went over to the full size basket and I pulled out a bag of M&Ms and said, thank you uh, for the candy, even though it's not October 31st. So I can, you can eat candy. And even if it's in the Halloween basket, take it out. Now it's not in the basket anymore. It's just candy. And I ate every single one of them. Um, but I say all that. I'm, I'm, I'm growing. And, you know, as I get older, I sure wish I would have applied this a lot more earlier. But I probably did to some degree. Um, but I'm always looking for a bridge. I want to build a bridge. And I want to build a bridge without compromise. I want to build a bridge without doctrinal compromise. Uh, and, and, and what I'm finding is, is there's a lot of room for that without sin. There's a lot. Let me say that again. There's a lot of room for that without sin. And sin is the line we draw. All right. Aurora, Colorado. Will is on line two. Welcome to the program. How's it going, Pastor Ed? Hey. hey it's going good, Will. What's up? Um... I just wanted to kind of say that in Acts, you're going through it again. But yes. I was going through the app, and I needed encouragement a few months ago, and I went for Acts 1 in your yes. uh, teachings. And uh, just through Acts, uh, in I think almost the same verses, you taught different relationships with the Holy Spirit. Yes. And I just wanted yes. to say you were right on point from the first one till 12 years later. That was insane <laughs> Good. to me. Well, the good news about reteaching, well. the good thing, good news about reteaching is I can correct any mistakes I made or, or make it more clear. So, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just such a glorious, glorious relationship to enjoy, and uh, I appreciate that encouragement. So, what's up? I just need encouragement and uh, somebody to tell me no, so I can keep fighting because I'm okay. battling sin and just driving around trying to make sure I don't go and do it. <laughs> okay, so so I, here it is. Don't do it. Don't yep. do it. You you know already you are already. Let me share with you where you are right now. You have uh, you're living out what the Bible says. Um, so it's really a good uh, good thing that you um, that you called because you're living out what the Bible says. You know when when we start thinking about temptation, um, <clears throat> this is what it says. It says in James chapter one verse twelve, "Blessed is the man." Who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. And here's where you are right now, Will. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. So you've just interrupted this. You haven't gone to sin yet. You are in the desire phase, and in the desire phase, you felt or you responded to the Holy Spirit saying, you just need some strength so that your desire doesn't conceive and doesn't give birth to sin. And you're not there. You're not at sin yet. So Here's the word you were asking for. No, don't do it. Don't go there. Uh, run like Dave, like uh, Joseph did 
when Potiphar's wife was chasing after him, um, he he even though she had his garment, he ran away naked. That's how the that's how much he wanted to glorify God and resist temptation. He ran away to his own and and knew it that it was going to cost him the rest of his life. He knew that. Um, he knew this woman. He knew that it, she wasn't going to give up. He knew that this was the beginning of the end. Um, but but at the same time, he was he would rather please God than for a few moments of sin. Amen. No, that's, that's amazing, honestly, that you came with that specifically, because I was going back and forth with uh, one of our Muslim brothers, and I tell you what, it was something else. And I had to go back to Abraham, Moses. He says, oh, I love Moses. And I'm like, I love Moses too, but the law is not meant to show us what we can do. It's a mirror right. <laughs> to show us what we can. That's right. That's right. Well, let me pray for you, Will. Yes, sir. Father, I pray for real. I pray even after he hangs up that he would, what your word says, uh, repent for how far he's taken this temptation and how far along driving around ready at the, at, at the edge. But we're grateful that it hasn't conceived and given birth to full sin. Maybe it did in his head. I don't know. But God, you can cleanse him and you can change him. And you can keep his integrity intact. And you can keep this part of his character intact. And you can keep God, his mind. Your word says that there's perfect peace promised to anyone whose mind is stayed on you. But there's perfect disruption when sin enters into our lives. And when we willingly, voluntarily go after it. So I pray for Will. You would give him what's necessary to resist temptation in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you, brother. Thank you, brother. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Let's head up to Thornton, Colorado. Amber is on the line. Welcome to the program, Amber. Hi. Hi, Amber. I was calling in today um, for prayer uh, to make a long... I guess would say dream short. Um, yes. Last night I was under heavy spiritual attack. Um, I, you know, was having a dream which felt more realistic in the dream. Um, different demonic spirits um, attacking me, and I just felt very restless. And um, I am, I am a believer now. Um, I used to, you know, celebrate Halloween. I grew up celebrating Halloween. Um, I, I, you know, I've been a Christian for quite some years now, mm-hmm. um, and I have three children who, who, um, you know, still do want to celebrate it. And 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 you know, um, I do. Uh, my husband still celebrates it. Um, he's mm-hmm. more. It's harmless. Um, However, I'm the one who always seems to get these more, I guess, like attacks, spiritual attacks yes. in yes. my home. And I mean, I'm just, I, I, I prayed, but I feel like I need more help in praying just because I don't go to church. I don't have really much of the support system of body of like believers that the normal Christian has, I guess. Um, so yeah, I would just like to call for against this um, since I am declining Halloween this year. 
Um, okay, well, well, we're going to run out of time, so let me pray for you. Father, I pray for my sister. You know that she, she, her mind is being attacked, especially around Halloween, Lord, and living in a home where there's an unbridled celebration of it. I pray that you would give her husband a sensitivity to her, maybe not just to Halloween, but just to know her and perhaps give her a gift of not participating in this holiday for the sake of her wife, the sake of his wife, um, to honor his wife, uh, to help her. But God, even so, I pray you'd guard Amber's mind and heart. I pray that you would give her sweet dreams, not these, these nightmares, and that, God, you would cover her, help her, and overwhelm her with a sense of your presence and your joy and your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you hear the music. We'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the second half of today's program. Again, shout out to everyone listening out on the airways. You guys on Freedom Radio, welcome, welcome. We're so grateful you're with us. Also to you guys on our friends on Hope FM, Truth FM, uh, my friends in Boise, of course, here in Nebraska, Wyoming, Colorado, uh, Grace FM, We've got open lines, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000 is the number. Taking your calls and your questions, uh, whatever's on your mind, we'd love to talk about it, pray about it. Um, we had a call earlier about our study in the book of Acts on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Man, what a it's one of my favorite topics, uh, and I probably got that because it's one of my pastor's favorite topics. Jeff Johnson, uh, in uh, Calvary Chapel in Downey, California. As a matter of fact, we were just together uh, teaching at a conference together, and we weren't given assignments to teach. But Pastor Jeff, of course, is he wasn't given an assignment. But what what it was about being watchmen on the wall, and uh, the theme of the conference was watchmen on the wall and just encouraging leaders. And what was his topic? Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, it was I shared this in the Bible study, but it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the experience of surrender that occurred in my life. I was saved in January. I'm sorry, this is a horrible time to get hiccups, but I just am getting hiccups, so there's no button for that. We have a button for coughing, but not hiccups, so please forgive me. Um, But I was saved in February, uh, and then I experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit in in September. I'd never even heard of it until September, because I came from a church like ours where you're just teaching through the Bible, and if the topic isn't there in the text, then we don't teach about it, uh, and unless the Lord interrupts it. But uh, I learned about it in September, and it revolutionized the direction of my tra- the trajectory of my Christian life, my walk with the Lord. I believe that I was I believe I was saved one hundred percent, no doubt. But there was so much of me doing it my way, um, and and so powerful. All right, let's go to Dan. I mean, that since the topic is here, Dan's up in Thornton, Colorado. Dan, welcome to the program. Hi, um, thanks for having me. Um, I just wanted to know um, your view about baptism. Uh, I know that between many different churches and denominations, 
there's a lot of different kind of customs about, you know, some churches do uh, infant baptisms, uh, mm-hmm. or christenings. Um, some churches only do kind of like adult or maybe mature baptisms for those, you know, maybe those who have an understanding. Um, so I was just kind of curious, um, and I guess that some churches don't do any physical, literal baptism at all. Um, so I'm just kind of curious to know your your view on that. Like, is um, a physical, literal baptism necessary? Is it different than a baptism of the Holy Spirit? Um, just what, what's your take on that? Yeah, so I'll answer that question first by giving you the methodology and it, the, and, and a, a caveat, because our, our methodology here at Calvary are, is to use the Bible as much as possible. Um, not, not to, it, not that we can do it perfectly, right? None of us can do it perfectly. We're not going to be a hundred percent right about every single thing, but if we're going to do something or we're going to participate in something, we don't want to appeal to history. We don't want to appeal to tradition. We don't want to appeal to someone's systematic theology or a systematic way of looking. We just want the Bible. We want to help. We want to the best of our ability, the Bible to inform us on a question like this. And I say that because with baptism, there's so many different views of it. And what we believe uh, and what I believe the Bible teaches about baptism is that adults are baptized in water, fully immersed. And I guess I should add a word there. I believe that believing adults, adults that are born again, are baptized completely immersed under the water and then brought back up. Um, and we can develop that. I have a Bible study on my, on our, on our app and website on baptism where I go through the whole development process, but the word itself, baptism is a transliteration into the English of the Greek word baptizo. And the word literally means to submerge. Uh, it was used of a garment that was submerged in dye, and so it would go down white and come back red. It was used of uh, describing, it's the word that's used to describe the the baptism of Jesus, uh, or what Jesus, his disciples were doing, or what John the Baptist was doing. And there's a very interesting purpose. Baptism isn't a, isn't a Christian thing either. Uh, it is... Uh, the pagans were baptizing, the Jews were baptizing, because it's an outward symbolic picture of cleansing, ritual cleansing. Um, now, of course, different people have different views on that, but it, it, it becomes a picture. The, the pagans during the first century were baptizing for the dead. They felt like if they, were, they got baptized and, and water somehow symbolizing life was used in their lives, they could baptize and bring somebody back from the dead. The Jews uh, had little uh, ritual baths that anyone that comes to Israel with us will show them across the, there's still some out, there were still some ritual baths next to the teaching steps on the Southern wall. Uh, They're called mikvahs and they were used as a ritual cleansing before they entered onto the temple property, temple Mount property and up around the temple. But by the time Christianity comes, Baptism was used, I believe, by God to, especially with, especially within the Jewish people, but then also to the Gentiles, as an identification with the, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We find all that in the Bible in Romans chapter six. Um, when you, when a person walks into the waters, 
They walk in alive into the waters of death, symbolizing their association with the death of Jesus Christ. Then they're taken under the water, symbolizing their burial with Christ. And then they brought right back up out of the water, and that symbolizes, of course, the resurrection of Christ. And it, I like to teach it. I like to teach our church that water baptism is the gospel message to the eyes, that people can see it. And although they may not have all the definitions of it, it's, a, it's an opportunity to show publicly that Ed Taylor has identified himself publicly through this Christian rite or this Christian activity that following in the footsteps of his, own Je- of his own Savior, Jesus, who was also water baptized to fulfill all righteousness, it becomes a picture and a type of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it is necessary because Jesus said in Matthew 28 that we're to go into all the world baptizing. So there's a participation baptism. The reason, One of the reasons I don't believe infant baptism uh, is something that the Bible teaches is you never... Baptism's never uh, mentioned in any way that the participant is passive. The participant is always active. And so, you know, a baby's passive. They're throwing water on the, uh, pouring it over their head or splashing it in their face. It really doesn't fit the picture that Romans chapter 6 shares. And so water baptism is for believers as it pictures all of those um, all, all of the, the culmination of the life of Christ, and um, I do believe it's necessary. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I, I, I've always kind of grown up believing that as well. Um, I, I really appreciate your the, the background that you gave to that, though, um, uh, as well. I think it, it adds a lot of uh, clarity to the history of it. Yeah, it's a fascinating thing, you know, because the Jews would—baptism would not be unusual, in, you know, take it to the life of Jesus. Baptiz, the idea of baptism would not be unusual to the mind of the Jew or even to the pagan Gentile. What would be unusual, what would be unusual is that the Christian's baptism is a one-time event, and it it is a—for a Jewish man or a Jewish woman, it is saying, I have the final— cleansing. I am no longer wor- I'm not no longer approaching you God by works, but rather I'm identifying with Jesus who's finished his work is finished. And it would be shocking. It would be shocking to tell a Jewish person, yeah, you need to be water baptized. But you know John the Baptist was doing it, uh, the disciples of Jesus were doing it, and you see it continued on all throughout the book of Acts all the way into uh, the life of the church. Okay, great. Thank you very much for uh, for taking my call. Bless you. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye. Yeah, I was just talking to someone recently about water baptism because they the the idea of infant baptism is really a foreign concept. It's very much tied to Judaism or even Roman Catholicism and then into Lutheranism and then into Reformation theology that really is just tied to that season of church. If you go back prior to Roman Catholicism and you just take what the word, there's there's no identification of water baptism with circumcision. There's no identification of a baby um, through some kind of passive water baptism. Number one, there's never an example of that ever anywhere um, in the Bible. Now, there, there's an illusion, perhaps, of Cornelius and his family, but there's no indication they were babies. 
Um, it, it seems to imply in, in, in Acts chapter 10 that the, those that believe, that could believe, believed, not, not the babies, you know, not a baby was believed and was water baptized. Um, and certainly if the water baptism of Cornelius's family in Acts chapter 10 was consistent, Cornelius was Im- immersed and then somehow the baby must have had to been immersed and not sprinkled because I would have made it consistent, right? You know, you know that <clears throat> the baptisms of Jesus, he, he went in, he came up out of the water. He, they baptized in the Jordan River. They didn't have cups of water and splash them. They baptized in the Jordan River. And we've been to, you know, there's a place in the Jordan where we baptize in Israel. And then there's also a place that's the traditional site of John the Baptist. Um, and the Jordan River, you know, we stand in it and we take people under the water. Um, because Christianity is not a series, it's not a works-based, salvation is not works-based, it is faith-based, we are saved by faith, by grace, through faith, and I mean, I don't even know how much clearer we could go uh, in Acts chapter, or excuse me, I'm talking a little fast today, so let me slow down, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? Salvation. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's verse 9. So are you saved by works? This one verse in the Bible, I mean, there's many, 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 many verses, but this one verse in the Bible makes it clear that it's not of works so that no one can boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're not saved by good works. We're saved for good works. And we're not, again, Paul would write to Titus, we're not saved by works of righteousness. Even works of right, baptism is a work of righteousness. It is a work. We were saved for baptism. We are not saved by baptism. Isn't that awesome? So clear. The Bible, I know there's a lot of challenging things in the Bible, but most of the Bible is easy to understand if we just let it say what it says. Just let it say what it says. 303-690-3000. Got open lines. There's a question on baptism. Hey, Pastor Ed, should I wait to let my child make their own decision on whether they want to be baptized? Or is it okay if we get baptized as a family together, uh, even if they're five or six years old? Having explained the seriousness of it to them, of course. Well, here's the thing. If you are, you, I would say that this question skips a step. Uh, so let's set this question aside and let's go back a step and say this. Um, have, have, you, have, have you led your children to the Lord? Do they understand the gravity of their sin? Of course, at their age, not necessarily our age understanding, but their age. And have they repented and received the Lord Jesus Christ? Have they been born again? Because if they're born again, then absolutely we tell our kids to obey God. Yes. And baptism is the obedience. And to get baptized as a family, yes, yes, yes. However, if your kids don't want to be baptized, then I wouldn't make them. No. If they respond, I don't want to do it, mom. You know, there's a kid way to do that. I don't want to get wet. I don't want to mess up my hair. That's different than, no, I don't want to be baptized. Okay, son, 
Okay, daughter, that means you, you don't want to obey Jesus because it says right here, Matthew 28, verse 19, that we're to be baptized. And, and so Jesus said to do it. Why don't you want to do it, son? Why don't you want to do it, daughter? Um, you know, if it's a kid thing, then you... I, I always tell when, when we are... When we are in... Um, when we're baptizing here, we do trust the parents to tell us whether the kids believe. And I have to say, we have had kids, parents said yes, and then they're in the water and they can't explain to us what it means to follow Jesus, even at a six or seven year old level. And we don't want them to get baptized unless they understand what they're doing. And we give information ahead of our baptisms. We have it up on our website. There's a Bible study you could listen to where you could do it, you know, for a kiddo, kiddo's understanding. But we wouldn't baptize a kid if they don't know what they're doing. But the real question, should I make them? Well, I don't know that you're making them, you're teaching them. Um, and ultimately, you know, I'd say a strong thing. I'd say you guys should be baptized, but if you don't want to be baptized, then I would then, that opens up another opportunity for me to say, well, why? And it's all discipleship. So I hope, I hope that can help. Um, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. There's a text in here, I'm not going to answer it on the air, but you know, the, the, the Roman Catholicism view of, of infant baptism actually comes from a theological persuasion. It's definitely an association uh, with the sacramental system of salvation. It is a required sacrament in order to be saved. It's a work, and it, it's just not biblical. The Roman Catholic theology uh, is just not biblical, and, and I would say the view of Lutheranism uh, in baptism in order to be saved, I know many of them say it's not, but um, it, it sometimes you'll hear some Lutheran pastors and um, even Reformed pastors interchange salvation with water baptism, and it's not. And it's just, it's, it's not, it's not sacramental. Salvation is not sacramental. Uh, it is, it is by faith, by grace through faith, period, not of works. No work saves a person, none. Bible reading, prayer, church attendance, uh, being born into a religion, water baptism, uh, giving to the poor, giving tithes, nothing saves a person but the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. Jesus saves. Um, and I know for some listening, and even you know those that might be well-educated in systems and theologies would say, no, 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 you don't understand, and you take me on a circuitous route of why you believe what you believe. And I respect that. I just disagree with it. The, it's a, the Bible, like you're, you're looking at first century non-educated, non-seminary educated people. We're not talking, you don't have to be, you don't have to be hyper smart to understand that you're saved by grace through faith. And if I have to be hyper smart to explain something, then maybe I've left the simplicity of the gospel. And I have to say, you know, I am biased toward um, those that do take a more biblical approach, a simplistic approach to the scriptures, because the more complicated it gets, it seems like the more layers and how far we get from the simplicity of Christ. And, you know, we were war warned about that uh, in the scriptures. Even the first century believers were warned about leaving the simplicity of Christ. Uh, and, you know, he, Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, for our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity. 
And then again, he writes in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, I'm, I'm fearful for you guys that the serpent, like the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds might be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. To me, that's always a sign of something that may not be from the Lord. If it's so complicated that only you can explain it, it's so complicated that only a cultist can explain it, it's so complicated that that you know you leave the simplicity of Christ. Like you 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 you're three or four layers away from the simplicity of Christ. And you know, no, it doesn't matter how you got there. Maybe you went to school, maybe you studied, maybe you read a book, maybe you watched some YouTube video, whatever. My my heart for you is get back to simplicity. What does the Bible say? And 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 again, there are parts of the Bible that are challenging, but most of it's pretty simple. And I'd encourage you, don't be again, if you guys are jotting things down, Second Corinthians eleven, verse three, Paul was super concerned that the Corinthians, like Eve was deceived, were being deceived, and that deception was corrupting their minds away from the simplicity that is in Christ. Let me just see that word real quick. Uh, you know, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I have books from Greek scholars. So it's the word hapalotes, haplotes, haplotes. It means not having an ulterior motive or double motives, pure, sincere, faithful, um, not duplicitous. Huh, that's really cool. So anyway, 303-690-3000. Back to Thornton, Colorado. Nicholas, welcome to the program. Pastor Taylor, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Doing well. I have a quick question. I have some really good family friends who are Messianic Jewish. Yes. Um, they celebrate, oh, they believe Jesus is Messiah. They're practically Christians, but they celebrate all the old traditional Jewish holidays. Okay. Um, I was just curious on why Christians nowadays don't really follow, oh, celebrate Hanukkah or Passover or Yom Kippur. And if it states in the Bible where we're supposed to stop, where? Well, that's a good question because there is a couple things to address. First of all, for your friends, uh, if they've embraced Jesus Christ as their Savior and they're born again, then then I would consider them believers. They're, I would consider them completed believers, especially if they're Jewish. Um, a Jewish person, man or woman, born again, uh, can certainly continue to celebrate the feast. But the real question to ask them is why? Because there's a distinction for though to celebrate those feasts. There, the question is, why do they celebrate them? If the answer to that question is, well, I believe that every Christian must celebrate them, then I would disagree. Um, every Christian doesn't don't have to. Um, they have special significance to the Jew. They can be truly enjoyed by the Gentile, but they're not in any way necessary for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, this issue was settled back in Acts chapter 15, remember? In Acts chapter 15, there was a big council, if you will, or a gathering of the leaders because the Gentiles were being saved, but they weren't living like Jews. They weren't celebrating the feast. They weren't being circumcised. They weren't following Judaism, where the believing Jews in the first century still followed the tenets of Judaism, um, but even so, they were taught not to follow the, Judy, the tenets of Judaism for salvation, but ceremonially, they could because it was a part of their culture. It was culturally 
uh, fun and, and significant of the faithfulness of God. And in the feasts were given in memorial, um, they, but they were given in the old covenant. They were a part, celebrating them in a mandated way was part of the old covenant. Jesus has come to fulfill the old covenant, and now those feasts become profoundly ceremonial and optional in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So if a, if a Gentile says, yeah, I love uh, celebrating the feast, uh, the Passover meal, um, as we do every Friday before, um, before Easter here at Calvary, um, and, and you want to participate. Yes, we, we participate in that final Seder dinner so that we can show you how the Seder speaks of coming Messiah. Um, but we don't participate in Passover uh, in the, in the strictest sense that we look back and say, oh, we're doing this um, because we must do this because it's a part of our old covenant relationship. Instead, we have the new covenant. And if by faith in Jesus Christ, in a very real way, we do keep the feasts because he's the fulfillment of all the all of those ceremonies that were pointing to him anyway. And that's why Galatians and Hebrews were written. And it's important to understand both those books of the Bible when it comes to um, the uh, ministering to a Jewish person that embraces Christ, or somebody that says, "No, you have to, you have to participate in the feasts." I'm like, "Well, what covenant are you living under?" Because according to the new covenant, um, one person can experience one day. Um, it says in Romans, uh, one can experience a day, but but let it says, "Let everyone be fully convinced in their own minds." So different. There's going to be different convictions. According to Romans 14, it says, One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike, but let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Uh, he who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. But he who does not observe to the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. And that goes to diets and days. Both of those things have been, have been freed from the mandate of diets and days by faith in Jesus Christ. That was actually my next question, as well as actually the diets, but that is, you just answered that as well. So, well, and here it, it goes in Romans. Here, here's the rest of Romans. Uh, it says uh, in 14, he says, He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. He who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and give God's thanks. For none of us lives to himself, no one dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. He's basically extolling the freedom of grace. So it is it's a beautiful thing to participate in these things. Um, the Jews right now that participate in them in Israel have a blinder and they don't see Christ in them. But for us to look back and see Christ in them, it's awesome and wonderful. However, if anyone's looking back to feasts or ceremonies or diets for salvation, they're wrong. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Great question. God bless you. God bless you. You have a good day. All right, bye-bye. Well, here we are. We're finished with today's program so fast and so quick. I'm so grateful that you would join us. Here's the numbers for tomorrow, 303-690-3000, That's the text line. You can use that 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We will pray over you. Uh, we will send it through our prayer teams. You may or may not get an answer, so don't worry about that. We get so many that not everyone gets an answer. Sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. But you don't be concerned about that, because if you send a prayer request, it will be prayed for, then it will be forwarded to our staff, 
and then it will be given to our prayer teams. Uh, and a lot of people pray over these and pray with you and pray for you. I would just say this. Don't forget to give us an update. So text an update to us. You know, like the lepers that were healed, you know, make sure you'll be the one that come back and give us an update. Um, give us a, Tell us what's going on. Even if it's a, a hard update to give or we need to keep praying, uh, let it be relational, not just a quick text. And we would love to um, to, to partner with you in prayer. And But we do. We get hundreds a month. So um, if you don't get an answer, it's okay. We got it. Uh, and we're praying over it, and you know that the Lord, the Lord is hearing us, uh, and it's so good, good to be together, and uh, so good that you would be a part of Calvary Live. Uh, let the Lord encourage you, and strengthen you, and build up your faith, uh, and use you greatly in these last days. I'm going to be teaching on how to share your faith this weekend. Um, I'm going to be equipping our church. And of course, by extension, Abounding Grace radio listeners, it'll air in the future. Uh, people that you guys that tune in live or connect with us online, uh, you can connect with us in two ways. Calvaryco.church, that's our website, calvaryco.church. Or you can download our free app. That's the best way. It's all redesigned, trying to keep it fresh, all redesigned. Just put my name in your in Google or Apple or Amazon, or however you get apps. Uh, even on Roku, just put Ed Taylor, and it'll pop up and and join the thousands of people that have already downloaded it. And we'll connect with you. We'll stay connected. We want to keep you encouraged. Keep your eyes on the Lord. God bless you guys. Lord willing, we'll be together tomorrow. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.